Good morning. So, so excited to see you again and some new faces. Now, I've learned something from last week. I learned that you should not talk about your mom in your sermon because if you do, she will show up the next week to keep an eye on you. So there's my mom, wave mom, and her husband, Dwayne. Hi, Dwayne. Yes, you can clap for my mom because it's, she's partly responsible for me being here. Or you can apologize <laughs> to her later on. But I'm so excited that, uh, that you're here. Also want to welcome those who are listening via podcast. We have several, several people who tuned in to listen, and that was exciting. I don't, you know, actually, it's probably just me. I think I listened to myself 50 times just to run the numbers a little bit there. No, I don't, only listened to it once. That was, a, that was plenty. Well, so last week, last week, I was riding this incredible high of what happened. I was so excited, and we, we went home, and well, actually, we actually we left, we went out to eat, and my, my 92-year-old father-in-law went with us to eat. He out-ate me at Chili's that day. He's amazing. He can still drive, and he can still out-eat me at 92 years old. If I'm half the man that he is when I, when I get a little older, it'll be a good thing. So we went out to eat, had a great time, spent the rest of the afternoon relaxing and just uh, spending time with family. My daughters all sent me notes, wrote me notes, and just made me feel good. It was, it was a beautiful time. And, but then here's what happened. The next day, the next day I woke up with a little bit of a, um, a Holy Spirit hangover or a ministry hangover. So I woke up the next day feeling, feeling a little bit oppressed in some ways and just this weight on my chest because all of a sudden this thought hit me, what's next? Like you're going to have to do this all over again next week. I mean, you've got like, Five, six days to get ready, because it's coming again. What are you going to do now? And that feeling was a little bit overwhelming. And so I, I thought about it, I prayed about it, and then I happened to get um, a text message from a friend, and I said, hey, would you please pray for me, because I'm really feeling this, this weight, like, hey, can you really pull this off week after week? I mean, this is a big responsibility, Brady. This is not the youth pastor thing anymore, where you can just show up, play a couple games, have a little fun, throw food at each other share a quick message and pray and then go out to eat pizza or something. I mean, this is a big deal. And so my friend, my friend pray, she prayed this prayer for me because I was believing some lies. I was hearing some lies in my head like, you don't really have what it takes to do this. Or, you know, those people that came last week, they were just there to support you. They're not coming back. You know that, right? And so on and on and on, these lies are playing over. Even, even this thought where, okay, so, you're, so most of your kids said something nice about you, but I'll tell you, I had, I had a situation last week on Father's Day. One of my children didn't even speak to me. And so just to let you know, I have those real issues too. And so I could believe the lie that, you know what, I'm really not a good father. I'm not the number one super dad like my daughters think that I am. Maybe, maybe I'm a failure. And so all those things, all those lies that the enemy puts in your head, this, this lady prayed for me, and this is what she prayed. She said, Lord, attune your son's ears to the truth today, and thank you that you promised to be his rear guard against the enemy's schemes. And so this thought of truth trumps a lie. And prayer is powerful. And when you pray, God listens, and, and truth trumps this lie. And our part is, our part is to seek the truth, right? Right? And once we discover the truth, then it's our responsibility to actually believe it. It's one, it's one thing to, re, to hear it, but it's another thing to actually believe that it's true. 
And there's a passage of scripture, if there's a passage of scripture that I probably quote more than anything else because I just deal with so many people who are, who are dealing with these doubts and questions and anxieties in life. It is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. And it says, the, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, it says, present your requests to God. And then it says, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So it'll guard how you feel about life. It'll guard what you think about what's going on. And it'll give you peace that you can't even make sense of. Jesus says, I'll give you peace unlike the world could ever offer you. I'll give you peace that makes a huge and a real difference in your life. And so I've quoted that verse. I've given that verse away hundreds of times. And I needed that verse right then to realize, you know what? I don't have to be anxious about next week. I don't have to really worry about what's next. Because I know that God is in this. He's called me to do this. And he's a part of this. And so that's part of my encouragement to you this morning. Then I, then I kind of got a little frustrated with myself because I thought, why am I focusing on like a couple of negative things as opposed to the hundreds of good things that God has brought into my life? Now, it, why do we do that? We do that as humans, don't we? I mean, we're so, like, one bad thing happens, ten good things happen. What is the thing we dwell on most of the time? It is that one negative thing. So I was doing a little research this week, and this, is my, this has been my job the last few weeks. I was here at the YMCA, and I'm in the hot tub. And I know it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. I'm here in the community, in the hot tub, and there's a couple older gentlemen. And I know they're a little bit further down the road than I am. And so I was asking them, hey, guys, let me ask you, what do you do when, when you think about like your life and you look back and you realize there's some things that didn't quite go the way you wanted them to go? How do you process that? Like, how do you deal with what's next in your life now? So I'm doing a little re- sermon research is what I was doing in the hot tub, all right? And so one, one of the gentlemen's like, well, I got to go. But he goes, I'll tell you what, I find myself thinking more about all of the bad things that have happened or the poor choices that I've made than I do about all the good things. And I asked him that same question. Why is that true? Why do we do that? And I guess maybe because it hurts a little bit more and the pain's a little bit more real and they're easier to remember, right? It's like the sting is a little bit greater. The other guy was like, well, I just figured, oh, I made a mistake. I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to move on. And I was like, well, that's probably a great way to approach life. We need to practice that a little bit more. Well, the good thing is, is God turned all of these, all of these questions and thoughts into the title for my sermon today, and that is, what's next? Or you can maybe phrase it this way, what are you going to do now? And we got this thinking that goes on that, uh, that can help us process through some stuff in life, I think. So there's a lot of difficult what's next, right? Or what are you going to do now moments in life? We've all had them, and we're all part of, the, of a community. We can all sit down together, and we can share about some of the more difficult things that have happened in our life, and we have to then ask the question, okay, What's next? What are you going to do now? Maybe it came after a diagnosis. Or maybe it came after a meeting with your boss. <laughs> uh, I've had one of those. <laughs> and it's like, okay, now what are you going to do? What's next? Or it, 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 you may have examples of people in your life, and I just had one yesterday. There was a lady that I met at Vineyard Church, and her husband has been really, really sick for a long time, probably even since they first started dating. He now has this issue where he's had two blood tra- or, uh, bone marrow uh, transplants. And he's still wanting to see if this is going to correct this problem. 
And so his health hasn't been good for a long time. And you know, as you're the caretaker of someone whose health isn't good, it wears you down. And you might constantly ask, what's going to happen next? What's going to go on? Like, is this ever going to get any better? Well, so then I, uh, I just happened to see on Facebook something about her attending a funeral. So I text messaged her and said, hey, hey, how's it going? How's your family? What's, what's the latest update? She said, my husband's health isn't getting any better. My grandma died on Wednesday. My oldest son just called from the college that he's going to, said he's going to quit school and move in with his girlfriend. Seems like a reasonable choice to make. You know, and she said, oh, and by the way, I just found out our drain is backing up and water in our basement. And so what do you do with that? I was like, um, breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, you know, and pray a lot. So what, she's thinking now what's going to happen. You've had those moments? Okay, what's going to happen next? You're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? Now, it doesn't have to always be a negative thing. There can be some good things, you know, where we're faced with this, the what's next question, but we, we look at it a little bit differently, right? We think, oh, what's next? Like, bring it on. This has been good. I can't wait to see what God has for me next. We have those moments, too. We, we don't just have to focus on the negative. But I think it's all a matter of perspective. I think there's times where it can be a bad thing, and we say, all right, Lord, what's next? Bring it on, because I'm ready. Like, what am I going to learn from this? How are you going to teach me more about you and about your faithfulness when it comes to this particular situation? Any football fans in the room? Any football few? few? Yeah, a few football fans. <laughs> Any baseball? We should be some baseball fans in Kansas City now. That's good stuff. So I was thinking about this, uh, this question of, okay, what are you going to do now? And I thought immediately about the, uh, what happens after someone wins the Super Bowl. You guys know, you know, the, the Wish Upon a Star music is playing, all the highlights from the game, and they ask one of the stars from the winning team, hey, so-and-so, you just won the Super Bowl. Now what are you going to do? And what do they say? We're going to Disney World, all right? We got this on tape, right? We're going to send this to Disney. Surely I'll get a check in the mail. Because here's what happened. This all started in 1987 when Phil Simms and John Elway were playing for the Super Bowl championship. And this happened to be the brainchild of the Dis Michael Eisner, the Disney CEO. It's the brainchild of his wife. She came up with this idea. Because you know behind every good man is a woman rolling her eyes <laughs> at the guy's ideas, <laughs> what it is that man's doing. I guarantee it. My wife is one of them. <laughs> She's a good man rolling her eyes. But so, so she decided that this would be a good idea. Like, let's do this because it was actually a part of a campaign that Disney was running at the time called the What's Next campaign. I thought this was interesting. So she, her idea was you, um, whoever wins, they signed a contract, uh, Phil Simms and John Elway, if you win, you say you're going to go to Disney World when they ask you that question. And whoever gets to say that wins $75,000. All right? All right, Zach? What are you supposed to ask me? I'm going to Disney World, all right? So I should get a $75,000 check in the mail anytime soon, I'm sure, from Disney. So there's all kinds of those moments. But that was interesting that this is like, okay, so something really good happened. Now what? Now what are you going to do? So let's, uh, let's talk about that. Let's use this example or this idea of what's next, and let's look at some of the early followers of the church, of, of, of Jesus Christ, especially one of, the, one of the guys named Peter. And so if you have any knowledge of the Bible at all, there was, a, there was an apostle or a disciple, his name was Peter. And Peter, um, I picked Peter because he was a little bit, a little bit like me in some ways, because he's a little bit uh, 
ready, fire, aim. If you think about that sequence there. Uh, a little bit impulsive, maybe. Maybe he'd be the kind of guy that would try to start a church in 84 days. Maybe that's the kind of guy Peter was. And so I wanted to look at his life because one of the ways that Peter was described after Jesus had already been crucified, he'd risen again, interacted with the disciples, and he had gone on to, into, into heaven, uh, Peter became one of the greatest voices of the early church. And Peter was given this description. He was called an unschooled, ordinary man that was, obviously had been with Jesus because of his life and the way that he lived and his effectiveness and the way that he spoke. And, and I think if, if I could be described in some way, it would be like that. I'm just an unschooled, ordinary man that has spent some time with Jesus and it's changed me forever. And so Peter, I resonate with him. Peter had also been someone who had given his, his full life to serve or to follow Jesus. But at that time, Jesus would have been considered a rabbi, a teacher, a teacher of the law, and someone that you would want to follow and learn more about. So let's look at this, this idea. So if Jesus was a rabbi, every rabbi had what they would call their yoke, okay? So their, their, their set of teachings, the way they viewed life, and the way they viewed the scriptures and the things that they thought you needed to, to know to live. Jesus was called the way, all right, the way to live. And so Jesus would say, my yoke is to teach you how you should live while you're here on earth. On earth. How can you build the kingdom? And I want you to know these things, so I want you to follow me and learn everything that I can teach you. And so since Jesus was a rabbi, he would, he would choose for him those people who would follow him. And they were actually called Talmudim. Instead of a disciple, it was actually the word Talmudim. And so typically, though, in that culture, here's what would happen. You would have a, a rabbi or somebody that was worthy of following, and a really, really good student would go to that rabbi and say, say, these, say these things. He says, may I follow you? May I learn from you? May I sit at your feet? May I become like you? And you would have to ask or you'd have to actually um, apply. And based on the type of character or your learning style, or if you're, the, if you're a good enough student, then that rabbi would choose to either accept you in to his school, or he would say, you know what, you don't really cut it, and you need to just go back to your family trade. So I need you to think about that, because it's interesting where Jesus finds Peter when he has this interaction with him. So look in, with me into the book of Luke, chapter 5. Luke, chapter 5. We don't give any um, prizes away for bringing your Bible here at church, but we do encourage you to bring one with you. Um, I'm teaching out of the New International Version of the Bible, so it's the NIV. So if you, if you think, well, what kind of uh, Bible should I get? My, my favorite um, version of the Bible is a red one. R-E-A-D. Okay? A red one. You get it? Boom, boom. All right? Thank you. If I have to get you to laugh, it's not funny, I guess. But you need to read you need to read your Bible. That's awesome. So let's, let's pray and let's just jump into God's Word. So Lord, thank you that you know what's next for all of us. And it could be it's kind of scary. Or maybe it's exciting. Maybe it's both. I don't know. But God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning through your Word. Uh, would you pour your Word through me um, into the lives of the people that are here? Would it make a difference? Would it cause us to change the way we see you? the way we see the world around us. 
We ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Luke chapter 5. Once when uh, he was standing on the shore of the lake, uh, Genesaret, the crowd was pushing on him better to hear the word of God. So this is Jesus. And the people were crowding around him, listening to the word. Uh, literally, I think, you know, Jesus is having church right there by the lake. That would be, be a good place to be. He saw at the water's edge two boats. And they were left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, which is Peter, and he asked him to put out just a little bit from the shore, and then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And so it doesn't say what he was teaching them. You know, I, I kind of wonder, was he teaching them about having a life of faith? Maybe, maybe he was talking about having faith versus living by fear. The difference between those two words, faith and fear. Who knows what he was teaching? But it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I mean, I believe Peter knew at the time who Jesus was. Jesus' reputation had already started to precede himself. And I think Peter knew that there was something special about this This particular rabbi, his teachings were just, there were just something special about him. So Peter said, because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came in both boats so that the both boats were so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he had all of his, his companions, all of his companions him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled over their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed Jesus. Is it possible that Peter, or that Peter was a fisherman because he was rejected by another rabbi? Is it possible that Peter went to maybe a rabbi some other time when he was a little bit younger and applied and say, may I follow you? And is it possible that that other rabbi said, you know what, Peter, I don't think you really have what it takes. I mean, yeah, you're a good guy. You're a little bit impulsive. You kind of like speak before you think. So I just don't know that you really have what it is really required to be a follower of mine. And so what did Peter do? He went back to doing what he knew how to do, and that was to be a fisherman. And it makes you wonder, was Peter thinking, oh man, here's another rabbi, and he's just showed me how great he is, and I'm just realizing, you know what, I probably don't cut it for him either. Is he going to reject me too? And then isn't it interesting that Jesus said, don't be afraid. Fear keeps us from accomplishing so many things for God in this world. It is fear that could have kept me right where I was at, not to leave where I was at and to start this adventure because I was afraid of failing. And Peter must have felt the same way. Maybe he said, you know, I can't take being rejected one more time. But yet it says he decided to leave everything and to follow Jesus. Now, the thing about 
following this rabbi is that you wanted to do everything that you could possibly do so that you could start to think and to act like him. You wanted to start thinking and acting and being like the one you were following. That's, that's what a rabbi wanted from their students. Man, can you imagine what Peter was thinking when Jesus chose him? He was like, man, what's next? This is incredible. He chose me? He's actually, he actually believes in me. He must see something in me that nobody else sees. Do you have someone like that in your life that looks at you and they see something in you that nobody else sees? Maybe it's your spouse. Or maybe as a spouse you're thinking, there's some things I've seen you don't want to see. Let me just tell you. All right? Maybe it could go the other way around. But, there, but you need somebody in your life that's your advocate that says, you know what? I believe in you and I know that you have what it takes. And those words spur you on to accomplish great things. So Peter must have had that thought, right? What's next? This, this is going to be amazing. If Jesus can make fish just climb into a net, there must be some other things that he can do. But I think Peter did not have a clue what his life was going to be like from that moment on. I don't know that he realized the incredible highs that he was getting ready to experience and also the, the miserable lows. And that sounds like life, doesn't it? For all of us. We can all say, you know, there's been some incredible moments in our life. And one of the things that I've, that I've been blessed with being around in this community for so long, I've got to experience a lot of those incredible highs with you and walk through some pretty difficult lows. But that's the beauty about being in community together and like learning to follow this same rabbi so we can all do it together. So Peter, I don't think, had any idea what was going to happen in his life. But if you follow Peter's story, he must have wanted to be like Jesus so much that he had courage to get out of a boat and do something none of the other followers of Jesus have ever done, and that's walk on water. But yet he sank because of his doubt in himself, I think. It wasn't that Jesus wasn't enough. It just, once again, probably Peter felt like, I'm not enough. I, I am a realist. I know that there's going to be plenty of times between now and and 10 years from now, that I'll have days where I'll feel like, I just can't do it. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not like this other guy. I'm not, I don't have a church this size, or I don't have a building like them. I'm going to have those thoughts. And then I've got to remember the truth about this rabbi that saw something in me, that has called me out, and has chosen me to do what he's asked me to do. And we all need to remember that too, because we're going to have those doubts as well. Peter witnessed Jesus do a lot of miracles. He saw things that that none of us have seen. He saw Jesus actually heal his mother-in-law. I actually wrote insert joke here about mother-in-law, but I won't do anything about that one. We'll just move on past that one. Peter had the Savior of the world wash his feet. That is an amazing thing. Like this, The master of all masters got on his knees and washed Peter's feet. Peter was bold enough to say, whatever it takes, Jesus, I will die for you. Nobody else will. I will. Now later on, actually, Peter did die for Jesus, but it wasn't too long after that that Peter experienced one of the lowest moments of his life when the rooster crowed three times and he denied even knowing who Jesus was. Can you imagine what Peter was thinking then? Now what am I going to do? This man who loved me with his life 
The man that I loved so much that I gave up everything for, I just said I didn't even know who he was. What am I going to do next? What now? Can you imagine the early disciples gathering together after Jesus was crucified? They were all together. They're all asking, now what are we going to do? What's next? And you can imagine that they were praying. I know that they were, and we can learn something from them today because that is the first thing we need to do when we realize there's some what's next coming, and we need to just get on our knees and pray. And so they were praying, and I wonder what they were praying. Maybe, they, maybe the only thing they could think about was the Lord's Prayer because, hey, that's what Jesus taught us how to pray. So let's just go back to that. Okay, okay, what was it? How did that go? Um, our Father, yeah, our Father's in heaven. Okay, that's good. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done right now, God, because we're, this is a bad deal. Our leader has been taken from us, and we have no idea what to do. Okay, so give us today our daily bread. Okay, what do we need? Hey, everybody, what do we need right now? Well, more than bread, we need each other. You know, more than each other, we need God's presence here with us. And Little did they know that Jesus was going to appear to them again a few days later. You know, maybe they were like, God, forgive us for our sin. For this. We must have done something wrong. God, please forgive us. Or maybe, maybe we need to forgive others. Yeah, uh, do you think they were even considering, should we forgive the ones who crucified their leader even then? Maybe they were thinking that's what they needed to do. And God, lead us not into some, this temptation, maybe the temptation to run and flee and to just give up on this whole idea of what Jesus has imparted in us, or maybe uh, flee from the temptation to strike back. Let's just, you know what? They struck us. Let's go and get them back. Well, Peter had already tried that. He cut off someone's ear. You know, once again, there's Peter not thinking before he's acting, you know. But I wonder what it was they were praying. And then I think about what was Peter praying? I mean, Peter, after all, denied. Now, now listen, some of the other disciples, they ran for their life, but they weren't even there to say they didn't know Jesus. At least Peter was in the mix. I mean, at least he was present. Everybody else took off, hiding for their lives. But you wonder, what was Peter praying? You know, what did he do next after he heard that Jesus' body was missing? <laughs> do you think Peter was thinking, oh my goodness, he's, he's coming back for me. <laughs> he's really, really frustrated with me. And, um, and that's another thing I was thinking about. Why is it that we immediately start taking it all upon ourselves, and we feel like we're the one to blame? Now, don't get me wrong. There might be some times in your life where you are responsible, and you need to take responsibility and say the words you need to say, like, hey, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. But there are times where, you know what? It wasn't us. We didn't cause it, but we're trying to carry all of that on our shoulders. That's not for us to do. You know, Jesus did that for us. So you wonder what Peter was thinking. You know, was he thinking, man, okay, if I see Jesus again, uh, what is Jesus going to do? Or if I see Jesus again, how am I going to act? Have you ever had those uncomfortable moments when somebody in your life you've offended or you're hurt, and then the next time you see them, you don't know what to say? You just try not to make eye contact. You're like, okay, he probably doesn't see me, I'm sure. And they're thinking the same thing. Do you have some family gatherings like that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're talking about every family gathering is like that. Man, there's sometimes you just want to clear the air, don't you? Hey, can we just like lay it all on the table and just say, hey, you know what? Time is too short. Let's just get this out in the open. And even if I have to say, you know what? Hey, I'll just, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Just please forgive me. If that makes it all better, then let's do that. I wonder what it was like for Peter the first time Jesus appeared to the disciples. 
Do you think Peter was like looking down? You know, head, head bowed, eyes closed. <laughs> oh God, please, Father in heaven. <laughs> but what did, what did this rabbi, who was so different than all the other rabbis that ever walked the earth, what did Jesus do? If you read in John 21, Jesus didn't reject Peter. He could have. Maybe he should have. But he didn't. Instead of rejecting Peter, he restored him. He challenged him a little bit. Like Jesus would speak the truth and he challenged him a little bit and said, hey, Peter, do you love me? I mean, really, do you love me more than these? And three times Jesus asked him that question. And Peter had the nerve to get frustrated <laughs> with Jesus. Like, why have you asking me this three times? You know I love you. And then Jesus tells Peter what to do next. And this is a clue for all of us. He says, follow me. He tells him specifically, you know, pastor my flock, be the leader of the church, feed my sheep. But he says the, the one thing that we can all do. He says, just follow me. And Peter's like, well, what about John? Hey, no, don't worry about what he's doing. Just follow me. And what does that mean? Just be like me, Peter. That's what you need to do next. Just love like me. Treat other people the way I treated them. I've given you examples. Just be like me. So what's next for you this morning? Maybe you've experienced some incredible highs in your life. Your life has been blessed and you're beginning to see maybe that God is calling you to step out in faith and to trust Him. Maybe you feel like, you know, God's calling me to trust Him with everything. And if that's the, tr the truth, don't let fear stop you. Don't let doubt in yourself stop you from getting out of the boat or trusting Jesus completely. My guess is there's maybe some people in the room that you said, you know what, I've put my faith in Jesus, but I've really never publicly let anybody know that. And maybe you need to, to go through the waters of baptism. And that's going to be a challenge that we face right here. Maybe we just, one of these mornings, we all just gather up and we go to the pool. <laughs> and we baptize someone in the pool. Or you can get baptized in the hot tub, <laughs> right, where I was having that conversation. I prayed there many times. That would be awesome. The water is anointed. We can have the bubbles on or off. You just get to choose. <laughs> but seriously, maybe you say, you know what, I've never really publicly let anybody else know that I am one of Jesus' Talmudims. I'm one of his followers. And I want people to know. It might be that you're feeling like Peter. Like when he encountered Jesus for the first time, maybe you don't feel worthy. Maybe you know what would happen if you really tried to be like Jesus. You would fail again, and you just don't want to take that chance. Oh, don't let that stop you. Because Jesus is not like the other rabbis. You don't have to go to Jesus and say, hey, may I follow you? Jesus is calling you to follow him right now. You don't even have to ask. He's calling you to trust him. Maybe he's calling you to put your faith in him this morning. The Bible says that we should confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. 
The reason why that particular phrase is so important because the resurrection of Jesus, the very fact that what Jesus did next after he was crucified, he rose again. And it's crucial when it comes to the question of what happens to us someday when we die. That makes all the difference in the world. Let me just tell you, as a pastor doing a funeral, when I know that the person has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that changes everything. I can go in, I can go in with this. Hey, what's next? What's next for that person? Because that person is enjoying the promise of everlasting life. That person's got it better than we do. Their perspective is so much different than ours right now, and I don't feel bad for them at all. I feel a little bit sorry for the rest of us, though, but that person is in the presence of the Lord because of their trust and their hope in the resurrection. And that's a huge what's next, isn't it? And we need to nail that down right here and right now. What's next when it's our time to go? Because this life's not going to last forever. And praise God, it doesn't last forever. Because there's something more. I'm talking about what doesn't last forever here on earth. <laughs> there's an eternity waiting for us. So if we have this opportunity to have this, this resurrection kind of life, this promise of eternal life someday and, and hope for today, I want to I read this last passage of Scripture to you and then we'll finish up our time together. This comes out of the book of Romans, chapter 8. Now, I'm going to read this from a different... Um, different translation of the Bible. And so the wording is going to be a little bit different, but you can look at Romans chapter 8, verse 15 through 17. But I'm going to read it in a language, in a way that I think just makes it come alive. Because I really want you to, to really nail down this what, what's next question for you. Whether it be to take a step of faith now and to follow Him, whether it means to, to know that because of your hope in Jesus that there's going to be something better than just this life. And listen to what it says. This resurrection life you have received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. Like sitting around just waiting for it to be over. No. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who He is, and we know who we are. Father and children. And we know that we are going to get what's coming to us. Because what's next for us is an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with Him, which we will, then we certainly are going to go through the good times with Him. That is His promise to us. We don't have to have fear. We don't have to have worry. We do not have to be anxious about what's next. Whether it is something amazing or it is something difficult, we know that God's promises are true. But for you and me, what, is it, what would it look like for us to radically follow this rabbi? And that's a question you need to answer. And you need to wrestle with it. And you need to, to pray and say, God, what would it look like for me to radically follow you in this world that we live in? The worship team is going to come. I should do one more song. And this is always kind of an awkward time in the service because you're like, oh no, what is he going to ask us to do? <laughs> you know, 
But it's not about what I'm asking you to do. What is the Lord calling you to do? If you need, um, if you need someone to pray with you, we have several people here that would be willing to pray. You can just get up from where you're at. You're gonna, we're actually going to have everybody stand again. So go ahead and stand up now. And if you need to put your hope and trust in Jesus this morning, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, then, then let's do that. If you need prayer for anything, like maybe you have some really difficult what's next coming up in your life, or you're really unsure about what's next, let us pray for you. And so just people with the name tags that are standing around, um, if you know them, go up and say, hey, would you pray with me today? It's powerful. It's, it's, it works. And we encourage you. I'll be, I'll be around. And, and so let's just let's pray. And then when we're done, we'll say amen. Um, and then if, you, if, you are, if you're here this morning and say, you know what, I wanna, I'm going to really pour in and so, so into what Brady's doing here and what the, this church is all about, then we encourage you to think about and pray about giving. And you can do that on the way in, the way out of the, um, the, um, the service this morning. One of the guys in the... Uh, hot tub said, I said, hey man, what do you do for a living? He said, well, I retired, but I used to be in collections. I was like, really? Me too. <laughs> it's just a different kind of collection. <laughs> it's an interesting conversation. So whatever the Lord is speaking to you about this morning, follow him.